Well, I want you to open your Bibles up to Matthew chapter 16. Pastor Stroud had asked us um, a few weeks ago uh, about doing a series here during the month of July, which I was delighted to do and be a part of. And uh, we prayed about what we should title it that should still go in theme with what uh, working with the senior pastor here on what, what he's been dealing with. And uh, the, the scripture, I mean, the, the thought just came out, advancing the kingdom of God. And, and with any series, you have to lay a foundation. It's like building a house. And where we start tonight is not where we will end up. Um, but you got to lay the foundation. In, in four weeks, uh, you should be running around the building. <laughs> Shouting, glory to God, glory to God. Uh, we're going to start here with um, Matthew 16, and we'll, we will end up in four weeks on um, the tabernacles and what tabernacles uh, as a Jewish feast will mean to us as believers. There have been two previous feasts that have come into our um, way of life. First of all, Passover, which we have our salvation. Pentecost, which we receive the baptism of the Spirit. But yet there was a third requirement for the male uh, children of Israel to appear at Jerusalem, and that was tabernacles. And we're going to talk about that one at the end. Uh, that is the one yet to be fulfilled. And just as the first two were fulfilled, tabernacles will be fulfilled as well. God's not going to do two of them and leave out the third one. And so you, you want to be around for that. So we're going to begin in Matthew chapter 16. We'll start with verse 13 to get the context of it. I know this is a very, very, very familiar passage. I know that you have heard it many times. And as I was um, meditating on it last night, I asked, you know, the Holy Spirit's so good. He is the teacher. And even when you think, Lord, they've heard it all. Uh, if you just, if you will ask the Holy Spirit and then wait on him on a passage, he, he starts talking to you. And he'll just start revealing things to you. And you go, yeah, wow, that's cool. That's good. Oh, that's really good. And, and you know, and, and you realize you didn't come up with it because you've read this passage a thousand times. And here is fresh revelation. We want the fresh man of heaven. So in verse 13, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades, or hell, shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Everything that we receive from heaven that we can apply to us personally in our practical wall all begins with a revelation. Without a revelation, we're still in the dark. God gives us a revelation, not for the purpose so that we can appear smart. 
or that we have a superior knowledge over somebody else or that we know something somebody else has, doesn't know. That, that's not the purpose of a revelation. When God gives you a revelation, it's not just to inform you of what is here. He gives you a revelation so that he might bring you into the practicality of that revelation. It's not enough to have it up here. He wants you to experience and encounter the revelation that he gives you. That would be a good place for an amen. He wants to give you an encounter. And the purpose of a revelation is to enlighten you for you to see that this is not only practical, but it is uh, permissible for you to enter in into this encounter with God. So every revelation should lead us to an encounter with God. Revelation has to come first. And, and what Jesus asked a question, who do men say that I am? And then they give him an answer. And then he responds to them. See, it doesn't matter what other people say. It's what do you say? What, what do you say? You know, well, so-and-so says this. Uh, Pastor so-and-so says that. Doctor this says that. But what do you say? It's got to be on the inside of you. It can't be hearsay. Hearsay is good for learning and for head knowledge, but hearsay is not practical for living out the truth. So therefore, you have to have the revelation. So Jesus pinpoints, he says, but what do you say? And he answers him, but you're the Christ. You are the son of the living God. So it begins with a revelation. Whatever your revelation is, that revelation that you have will become your reality. Say that again. Whatever revelation you have, that is what is going to become your personal reality. Okay, so good. He says two things here. Jesus says, I'm going to build in verse number 18. He says, and I say to you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build. So let's look at that first. He, he says two things. I'm going to build. And then he says in verse 19, I'm going to give. The first thing that he says he's going to build is what? His church. This is the first mention in the New Testament of the word ecclesia or church called out ones or whatever, you know, handle you want to attach to it. This is the first mention of the word that we translate church. And he says, I'm going to build my church. Well, the church is, he's going to talk about two things he's going to do. I'm going to build my church. Where's he going to build his church? He's going to build his church on earth. He's going to build his church here. Heaven is where the kingdom of God rules and reigns. We are to bring heaven to earth. He builds his church through the power of heaven, he builds his church to establish his kingdom. You know, the purpose of Christians is, you know, there's a passage in Corinthians that Paul said that we are all ambassadors. An ambassador is somebody that goes to a different region to establish in that region where he has come from. He, he is you know, like our ambassadors, wherever, um, you know, they go, they are supplied and supported by the nation they come through. To, from. But their, their purpose is to bring the influence of our nation into that nation, our wisdom into their wisdom. We could expand it a little better. When, when Rome would conquer a nation, they would send forth their ambassadors. Actually, the word that they use to send forth their ambassadors is the same word we get apostles from. The sent ones. And they would send their messengers, their apostles, their ambassadors into nations that had been conquered for the purpose of bringing the culture of Rome now to this nation that has been subdued by Rome. 
So you see where this is going? I'm going to build my church. I'm going to build my church, and he's going to give us some things to build it with. But it comes with a revelation. We don't build buildings. We build people. The church of God is established within us. And we're going to, we'll, we'll get to that. I, mean, I don't want to get ahead of myself. But when we think of building a church, it's not about building a denomination. It's not about building four walls. It is about building the kingdom of God within us and establishing the culture of heaven in the place where we have been sent. So the things that are in heaven... As ambassadors of God, we go into the heavenlies where we are sent from and we receive of that which has been freely given to us to establish the kingdom of heaven here on earth. Therefore, Jesus said, I will build. I will build my church. So that's pretty cool, ain't it? I like that. The second thing that he says in verse 19 And I'm going to come back to verse 18 in a minute. He says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I'm going to take this at a section at a time. He says, I will give you. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Okay, if our access of of everything that we receive that we are to bring into this realm to build with is heaven, then we have to have keys from heaven to use here on earth to establish that kingdom that we've been sent to build. All right, keys. These are three things the Holy Spirit gave me last night. Uh, Now, I'm going to give you three things about keys. And ironically, it's an alliterated outline, which I never use, but that's just how it came. So everything starts with P. Keys are principles. God gives us principles. And principles are good. Principles are good for when you're not hearing the voice of God. Principles are a foundation. Principles are things that we, we learn kind of like if we would say in elementary school. It is the thing, it is the groundwork that will provide for us for the rest of our life. Principles that we can fall back on. But God does not want us living merely on principles. We are to live by the voice of God. What is he saying? What is he doing? We, 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 it, it, we read the word of God and we have principles that are given. With the principles that we are given, we know what God has said and we will know what God, how God thinks. But I want to know what God is saying and what is he thinking. I want the current. I want the fresh what? Revelation. What is he saying now? And without revelation, we don't know what's fresh. We're all, we will still be going back to the foundation that we have built, and that's fine. That's good. But you got to build on that foundation. And the higher you go, the more risky it becomes. Okay, we'll get it. So keys are principles, but also keys are personal. I want you to think about that. Keys are personal. He, he gives us keys to us as individuals. He will give you personal keys for your own life, for your own situation, for the, your own circumstance, whatever you're going through, whatever the problem may be. If you have issues with relatives, children, aunts, uncles, whatever. If you have problems with bo- uh, bosses, you have problems at work, uh, you have problems with situations. You have, let's just say you got problems with, with, um, with government. You know, somewhere you have got to let the kingdom of heaven be established when the kingdoms of this world go contrary to the will of the kingdom of heaven. 
the kingdom of heaven is superior to any kingdom on this earth. And when the kingdoms of this earth violate the principles of heaven, we'll say it that way, then you have to make a choice. And sometimes our battles will even be um, with governmental agencies. Okay, so God will give you a personal solution to some of those things. The third thing about keys, and this is really where I want to go, it's not so much that, that keys are principles and keys are personal, though that's true. But this is the main thing that this passage indicates regarding a key. When we're laying the foundation here, keys are for promotion. Keys are for th- with those with authority. You don't give the keys to your facility to someone who has not earned your trust and has been faithful. Keys are given to those who are responsible. Keys are given to those who are accountable. Keys are given to those who are ready for promotion. Can you see that? I mean, I I dare say, I doubt seriously that as an example, I doubt seriously everybody here has a key to the church. I don't have a key. But those who are responsible and accountable and those who are in a, a sense of the word that have or in a promotional sense, they, they, they rank higher. Therefore, they need the key. They need the key. What, what is a key? To, OK, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Let, let me go back here. OK, this is what he, he says regarding the keys. Uh, let me go back to verse 18. I'm, keep in mind, I'm still talking about keys on building. the. When he goes back and he says, I'm going to build my church. So I'm going to build. I'm going to give you some keys to build with. And then he says, and the gates of hell or the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. We're talking about advancing the kingdom. We're talking about, see, advancing the kingdom has to begin with you personally. If you're waiting for your church to advance the kingdom, what are you a part of? You are the church. You are the ecclesia. You are the ambassador. Everybody that is saved and born again is a, that is a part of the ecclesia of God as an ambassador from heaven, that we are all equally responsible for advancing the kingdom, regardless of what position of authority we may or may not hold. We are all accountable. We will all give an account with whatever talent, gift, grace, anointing that has been afforded us. We will all give an account for it. So I think so often in the church in America that when an issue comes up, they look for somebody else to do it. You know, they'll complain about it on Facebook. <laughs> they'll gripe about it on Facebook. And they will get into spiritual wars on Facebook on who's right, who's wrong. That ain't the place to do battle, people. You're wasting your time. That is not the battlefield. The battlefield is in the heavenlies. You see, the bat- God gives you keys to enter into a heavenly realm and to do battle there. Now, you see, the church, we're supposed to be militant in the way we act, but we're not supposed to be militant against people. We're to be militant against the spirits that's controlling the people. We wrestle not with flesh and blood. So therefore, we are given these keys for the purpose of advancing the kingdom. Don't think of the kingdom as something that is beyond you. 
because every joint supplies. For the kingdom of God to advance, then every one of us individually will have to accept our own personal responsibility. We will have to get the revelation that God is speaking to us for ourselves, and then we will have to apply. Okay, here's the thing about keys and going against the gates of hell. When you read that passage, and you know, for years growing up, and I, I literally, I know I've read this thousands of times, growing up, I would read this passage about the gates of hell would not prevail. What I had in my mind, I just had, you know, all these believers in the church and we're just storming the gates of hell and we're pounding on it, you know, kind of like the Vikings or something going to go conquer a city or something, you know, we're, you know, letting them have it and all that stuff. But when you read this, that, that's not how we fight people. We don't go and, and flail our arms in the air hitting aimlessly. We have a directive. Now, here's the cool thing about a key that the Lord gave me. He said, you don't go and beat the door down. You have a key. You go and you unlock the door and open it. That's pretty simple. Pretty straightforward. If you got a key, you just open the door. That's why the gates of hell ain't going to prevail. You see, Jesus has the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And according to Ephesians 1 and verses 27 through 28, 29, that last few verses of chapter 1, he says he gave the keys to us, the authority to us. Keys represent authority. We've been given the authority to go and lock and unlock. Okay, good stuff. So you can't break down the gate. You don't need to break down the gate. You just go open it. That's just so cool. I love it. Keys give you access to something that was previously unaccessible. Keys give you access to something that was previously locked. Keys give you access to something that before you had the key, you had no way of getting. But when you've got the key, you can get whatever you need. Okay. Matthew... 1818 talks about we again, we've been given keys and, he, and the phrase that is translated in our in the King James, New King James and many other. He says that whatever you bind on heaven will be bound. Uh, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. But th- that's not really the wording. That's not really the phraseology as you bring it out of the Greek because the, it has a, a different verbiage and intent re- literally. And there are translations that say this way. And I tried to print a couple of them off, but my printer kept saying that it was jammed when it wasn't jammed. And I just got tired of it telling me it was jammed, so I just turned it off. So I don't have it, but I can quote it to you. So he says, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. But the, the uh, tense of the verbs there, it, it is not us. Let me, t- two things. Number one, he says, whatever. And the word there is neutral and gender, he's not talking about people. You don't bind people. You don't loose people. You bind the whatever. You loose the whatever. Whatever has them. Whatever needs to be free. You loose the whatever. That's good. He says, whatever, you see, we being the um, 
the kingdom, establishing the kingdom on earth. We are here as ambassadors. The only things that we have permission to do is what has already been granted and said in heaven. That's all. You can't, you can't bind something, lose something that has not already been set that way in heaven. Because the king himself sets the priorities. See, as an ambassador, we only do what the king says. You know, when you go to any nation, you're speaking for the government of the king, the queen, the president, whoever it may be. So what it, what it is really saying, whatever heaven has already bound, whatever heaven has already loosed, you now, because you have a key, you have permission to bind it and loose it here on earth as you are establishing the kingdom of heaven. That's what you're here for. God sets the plan and we enact it. Why? Because the earth is now in our hands. We're responsible for the spirituality of what's taking place around us. We don't have anybody else to blame. Ain't that something? Can't blame the government. Can't blame ISIS. Can't blame your neighbor. It's our responsibility. It's in our hands. So these couple of things that he says regarding that. We have the authority that whatever heaven has already laid out as law, those things alone can we operate and be in the will of God. Okay. Now, so he talks about the kingdom. He's going to establish the kingdom. The only reason there's a kingdom is why? Because there is a king. It's the only reason. I want you to look with me to um, Luke 17 for just a moment. Well, wait a minute. Before we go there, let's go to Luke 10. And that's kind of on our way to 17. But I want to point out something in Luke 10. By everything I've just said, I want you to see it practically. What Jesus had said in Matthew 16, I want you to see how it worked out while he was still on the earth. So in Luke 17, uh, Luke 10, verses 17, he's, it begins like this. Then the 70 returned with joy. What did they return with? Joy. If you return with joy, that means you had a good outing. Things went well. He sent them out to do what? Preach and demonstrate the kingdom of God. So they come back with joy. You know why they come back with joy? Because Romans 14, 17 says the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, not meat and drink, but it's what? Joy in the Holy Ghost is the last thing. <laughs> Righteousness, peace, and joy, King James, in the Holy Ghost. So they came back in joy. Why? Because they'd been established in the kingdom. All right. So when we come back from wherever we are, we ought to be coming back with joy. When, we, when we're sent out, when you are going out to confront whatever, and you're, you know, whether you're doing a prayer walk or you're doing it in your prayer closet, you ought to be happy about it when it's over with. Amen. Not get, well, dear God, I hope that worked this time. <laughs> Jesus. Jesus, you know how they are. This is what they said. Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Man, that is awesome. The demons are subject to us. Why shouldn't that surprise us? Because they're, they are what our enemy is. They are our enemy. They are what 
interferes with the people that we love that we think it's them causing us the problem when it's really those spirits, demons, powers operating around them, in them, and dare I say sometimes through them. So if we're acting in the authority of the kingdom, then we ought to be happy. It's, it's going to get better, trust me. I, I mean, okay, you got to watch my time. He said, Jesus said to them in verse 18, I saw Satan falling like lightning from heaven. And this is what he says, behold, I give you the authority. Now, you see, that's all the whole thing about what keys are about, right? It's what we established. Keys are about authority. It's about promotion. I give you the authority to do what? To trample on serpents and scorpions and over how much of the power? All of the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice at this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. It's like Jesus is saying, this is commonplace. Everywhere you go, the demons are under your control, not they. I got a real good translation that will put it in practical sense, because when you read sometimes... Um, you need a fresh revelation. And it's so easy to get a fresh revelation if you see it in a different way. And I, I am just so happy with um, this new translation. It's not even all out yet. It's called the Passion Translation. And I absolutely love it. Um, and just briefly, um, you know, the Greek is just really a, a, a very straightforward language. It's very heady. It's very intellectual. It's very cut and dry. The Hebrew has a very um, colorful language, expressive language, as well as the Aramaic. And the Aramaic expresses things in a greater way than just the cut and dry. Okay, I give you the keys, da, 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 da. And the, this has mostly been translated from the Aramaic version, and I have a copy of Luke and Acts here. But I want you to hear uh, this. I mean, this is just so cool. What I just got through reading you. Jesus, Jesus replied, while you were ministering, you got that? While you were ministering, while you were ministering, I saw Satan topple until he fell suddenly from heaven like lightning to the ground. Now you understand that I have imparted to you all my authority to trample over his kingdom. You will trample upon every demon before you and overcome every power Satan possesses. Absolutely nothing will be able to harm you as you walk in this authority. However, your real source of joy isn't merely that these spirits submit to your authority, but that your names are written in the journals of heaven and that you belong to God's kingdom. This is the true source of your authority. The true source of your authority is that you're operating from the kingdom above. You belong up there. You're, you're just a pilgrim passing through down here. That's where our true joy is. We're already seated in heavenly places with Christ. Before the foundation of the earth, you are already handpicked out by the election of grace to be where you are today. This is the most exciting time. I'm so excited to be living now. A few months ago, people were telling me I'm going to be dead. I'm going to die. Set your house in order. Hey, I'm a living. Praise God. I'm more alive now than I've ever been. I'm excited. I'm just happy to be here tonight. Glory to God. Now listen to what Jesus says about this. He continues 
by saying, he says, nevertheless, don't rejoice, but rejoice that you're a part of the kingdom of, 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 above, the kingdom of heaven. And he, this, he, when he goes into a prayer in verse 21, he says, in that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the spirit because we are spiritual people. You, you, are ha- you got a physical body having a temporary affair down here with earth. But you are an eternal spirit. You are an eternal being just hanging out here for a short period of time. He says, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the prudent and revealed them to babes. The revelation that you receive, you receive it with humility and childlike faith. If you want a revelation from God, you just come to me and you just humble yourself and you say, Lord, I don't have a clue. I know there's so much more here and I've read so much. Just tell me, what are you saying? Just open my ears to hear. Now, and the thing is, you have to sit and wait on God. You know, people just, well, I didn't hear anything. You just keep reading. You know, he, he, he talks about in the book of Joshua, for him to be successful in chapter 1, verses 7 through 9, he tells him, uh, only be strong and very courageous. But he tells him to meditate, to meditate in the Word of God day and night. Meditate on the Word. And the word meditate literally is an agricultural term for sheep or a cow chewing on the cud. You just meditate, you just mull it over, you mumble it over, you think about it, you meditate on it. And as you meditate on it, the, the, the revelation begins to come in a greater form and greater degree. This is what's so exciting to me about the Word of God. It never gets old, it never gets dull, and it never runs out of anything to say. Hallelujah. It's a living Word. Thank you, Jesus. The revelation that we receive is an ongoing revelation. It's an ongoing, it is a progressive revelation. Every revelation that the Lord will give you, it's not the end within itself. He will give you a revelation. He's giving us a revelation right now. But what I'm saying right now is not the end. Because it will be a continuous, progressive revelation. More will come. More will come than what we've heard now. More will come next week. More will come with you. As you take this home and just look at it and begin to read it, more will come with you. It's eternal The Word of God lives. If the Word of God was dead, then we just read everything we will ever need to hear. If it's it's dead. But Jesus said in John chapter 6, verse 63, or somewhere in that neighborhood, he, He said that the Word of God, He said, My words are spirit and they are life. Jesus rejoiced in the Spirit. We have to meditate in the Spirit. We have to pray in the Spirit. We have to live in the Spirit. The spiritual world is where we belong. Keep in mind, this is all temporal. Okay. Now, let's go to Luke 17 for more revelation of what has just been given regarding the kingdom. He's going to give us the keys. We're seated in heavenly places. 17 verse 20 and 21. Still in the book of Luke. Now when he was asked by the Pharisees. Say Pharisees. Pharisees. (laughs) They're the ones that can't see, wouldn't see, and ain't going to see. Okay. 
Now, when he, asked, when he was asked by the Pharisees when, when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation. And we're going to go a little bit deeper in what that word observation means. The kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, see here or see there. For indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. Okay, let's, let's break it down. You're going to love this too. Here is the Aramaic. Jesus responded, the kingdom realm of God does not come simply by obeying principles or by waiting for signs. The kingdom is not discovered in one place or another. For the kingdom realm of God is already expanding within some of you. Why does he say it's expanding in some? Because within the Pharisees whom he was addressing, it was not expanding. The kingdom wasn't even there. He goes on to say, regarding the kingdom with Pharisees, he said, you even prevent those who are trying to enter from coming in. You stop them from coming in. Nothing has changed in 2,000 years. There are still Pharisaic religious leaders that are trying to prevent the people of God from entering into the kingdom of God. One of the reasons why they want to do that is because it, it keeps everything clean and I don't mean this in a racial word, clean, white, and tidy. <laughs> you know, everything's just spotless. We're going to keep everything clean. Everything's going to be all right. And, and because when you begin to enter the spiritual realm of God, you're going to open up some doors that you're going to think about after you open them. Yeah. What does he mean by that? Do I really need a key? Listen, he's not going to give you. He's not going to give you the key until you are ready to open the door. A few years ago, and I, I've told you some of the, some of you this. That a few years ago, um, when we were in Kenya with this prophet of war, that he starts every crusade by saying. The glory of God is coming. They don't open it up with singing. They don't, they don't have an hour of praise and worship. He don't get up and preach first. They don't take testimony. He says, God is coming. That's a great way to start a meeting. Think about it. God's coming. And he pointed over to one side of this vast peel field with people as far as you could see, a million and a half people, and, and many on the outside because they couldn't get in. We had about a, a million people inside, and there was another half million on the outside listening by speakers. And I didn't, know not, I didn't know what to expect. But when he got up on the platform and he said, only in Kenya, only in Kenya do we begin meetings like this. He said, the glory of God will come from this direction. And he talked for about two minutes. And after two minutes, I looked and these, these waves of people. And when you think a million people is a lot of people, <laughs> trust me, it is a lot of people. And they just begin to fall like wheat being pushed over in, in the wind. And, and the, it just started. It, it was like snaking around. People just falling in masses all over until the whole, the whole field, it, it, the whole circumference, because the, the platform was right in the middle. Everybody was just laid out, slain under the power of God. Now, what was cool about this is that many, many, literally hundreds of people were healed. Deaf people were healed. Crippled people were healed. Blind people were healed. Didn't pray for a single person, but only because God came. All right. Those 
who had issues. That's what we would say in America. Well, they just have some issues. But over there, they don't call them issues. They call them demons. <laughs> so for those of those, those over there who had demons, they began to manifest. And it was the most bizarre thing I'd ever seen in my life. There were some about 1,000, 1,500 people that worked, you know, for the, the crusade. And they all had on these T-shirts that you could identify somebody that was working in the crusade. And all of these demon-possessed people that were now rolling in the floor, spitting, convulsing, all this stuff, literally in the dirt, wasn't any floor. They began to bring them and just lay them down in front of the platform. And I'm sitting, you know, as far from me to Pastor Stroud back there from the platform and between us and them and around, there must have been, I'd say easily two to 300 people just laying, doing this, that. And when people tried to get up and go away, these people with t-shirts on, they'd come over and set them down and they'd tie their hands behind their back and they'd tie their feet up. <laughs> so you'd get sued in America. But I can tell you this, they didn't go home with their demons. I think we ought to have one legal Sunday to do that. What do you think? What do you think, Elder Ware? Would that work? Just one, one Sunday that it would be legal. You could just tie them up. And at least they'd go home free. That'd be the, so these, these keys, these, these things I'm talking about, these keys, is, it allows us into this kingdom to not only deal with issues or demons, but it's not just to deal with it, but it is to set the captives free. That is the whole purpose. All right. He says, the kingdom, of, oh, I've got to read it. The kingdom of God is within you. Did I read this? Yeah. The, the kingdom is not discovered in one place or another, for the kingdom realm of God is already expanding. The kingdom realm, the kingdom realm of God is already expanding within you. It, it's, it's never going to be... Uh, finite or stop as long as we are seeking, as long as we are praying, as long as we're saying, you know, here, it, I'll tell you the best way to, as long as we keep a childlike spirit, as long as we keep humility, as long as we keep ourselves humble before God. And, you know, what do you mean humble before God? I mean, you ought to know what I mean. Not pride, not arrogance. You know, there was a man by the name of Edward M. Bounds. He was a, a prayer warrior, and he said it better than anybody you know, about, in my idea, what true humility is. He said, a man is what he is on his knees before God alone and nothing else. A man is what he is on his knees before God alone and nothing else because there's no one to impress. And when we come out... When we come out of those secret places of prayer and intimacy in the kingdom of God, we come out clothed in the glory. We should come out with that ever-expanding well within us. Every time that we come to church, we ought to be carrying more glory than we were before. Now, here's the thing. Here, this is what I believe that what I'm going to kind of rest this on tonight and, and kind of wind this down on tonight. And you can start my music if you don't mind. Um, so I have a little time at the end. So we, that we end up in, you know, four weeks from now on what I, what I really believe the, the kingdom within us is going to look like. 
Even having said all this, even having read all this, even seeing, even, even going, hey, man, that's cool. Yeah, wow, we can open the door. We can open the gate. We can walk in. We don't need to beat it down. It, you know, the thing about the kingdom, down just a little bit, the, the thing about the kingdom and having a key is that it takes all of the strife and all of the work out of it. It takes all of the human effort out of it. So many of us as, as Christians, especially as leaders, we struggle so much. We, we, we strive so much. Is it, am I helping anybody? Am I only talking to me? We, we feel the responsibility that we have to get in there and do it. We feel accountable that if I don't do this, if I don't do that, then I'll fail when I get up and, and minister, or I'll fail when I sing, or I'll fail when I go pray for that person at the hospital, or I'll fail when I mit, witness to my neighbor next door. And we strive on the inside with that. But you see, if we understand the revelation of the kingdom, it's no longer us. I'm going to show you. He said the kingdom of God is within you. Yes, the kingdom of God is within you. What Jesus was revealing to them in Matthew chapter 6, 16, is what we would call a mystery. A mystery of the Bible is not like a whodunit. A mystery of the Bible is something that was hidden previously, but now is being made manifest. It is being revealed to us. What was previously hidden, we now see and we understand plainly. The kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom. Everything that you have. Paul expands on this. And we've, we know this passage Listen, we know this passage. I have quoted it here before. But last night when the Holy Spirit was showing me some of this stuff about the keys and the kingdom and the kingdom is within us. The, the kingdom of God. Listen, oh, this is so good. The kingdom. When you think of yourself, if you're looking inside yourself and you're seeing a great big field and, and there's a moat and then there's walls and there's a kingdom on the inside. If that's what you're seeing, you're looking at the wrong thing. If that's what you're imagining, the kingdom of God is within me, and, and you picture some realm of heaven, it's the wrong thing you're imagining. You see, God gives us an imagination. And every morning I start out praying, Lord, wipe the slate of my imagination clean today. Anything that is filtered in in the last 24 hours that shouldn't be there, just give me a clean slate. Let me start off that way. The kingdom are you ready for this? Paul revealed the mystery. He revealed the kingdom. He, he showed us what the kingdom is. He says, I now rejoice in my sufferings for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church. Which is the church. Okay? I'm going to build what? I'm going to build my church. Of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from which, from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. The mystery, the thing that was hidden, which has been hidden from ages, from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. To them, God willed. It was God's desire it was God's plan to make known unto us the riches of the glory of this mystery of the kingdom within us. And he says, is Christ in you the hope of glory? 
The kingdom is in a person. When you look inside for the kingdom, don't look for walls. Look for Christ. Look for Jesus. Jesus is the one that is established in you as the kingdom. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Kingdom of God is within you. I'm going to find that. No, I didn't bring that one. I have one with the Colossians as well. The kingdom is within you. The kingdom, Christ, the king. Where does the king reign? He reigns right here. Therefore, whatever thing that I may, whatever, you know, not a whoever, but whatever thing that I may encounter, I already have victory over it because the one who conquered it is already in here. I am carrying the conqueror with me. You see, when you speak, you see, he says, I'm giving you authority, keys or authority. When you speak into situations, when you speak into the heavenlies, when you, your words that are coming out of your mouth, they're coming out representative of the king who has already conquered it for you. And see, you're not speaking of your authority. You're speaking of his authority. Therefore, when you say, you're going to have to change. That's all there is to it. He says, whatever, 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 whatever thing. So there, there's binding and loosing of things. You have, you know, children, grandchildren, relatives. I mean, messed up on drugs, dope, alcohol, whatever. It's not them. It's that spirit, that addiction. And that addiction is a spirit. You see, we would have a lot more success in America in dealing with these things if we ever recognized what it was it was dealing with them. Well, they had, they had mama issues growing up or, you know, they had daddy issues. No, they got a demon. Maybe it was passed down, but they got one anyway. Well, it's just a generational curse. No, it's just a generational demon. <laughs> You're, you're cursed. That demon's just coming right on down the line. But with the words of our mouth, when we speak into the heavenly realm, our battle not being with people, and we speak those things, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, who has already conquered you, I forbid you. I forbid you to operate in their lives anymore. And I release their mind to be able to think and to receive. I re release the Holy Spirit over them to bring conviction. One of, one of the translations that I was going to print off and bring to you about binding and loosing, it said this. It says that whatever you release on earth, whatever it has already been released in heaven, and whatever you imprison on earth is already imprisoned in heaven. Think of it that way. I, I'm taking authority over lack, I imprison you. If, some, if something's in prison, then it no longer has access to us. The, the whole thing, all of this rest, of everything I've said, I'm, I'm talking to myself here as well, okay? I'm not just talking to y'all. I'm telling me as well. I can't live merely on a short-term revelation. This revelation has got to bring me into the encounter that has been revealed. I have to press into it. I have to believe it. I have to accept it. I was talking with, um, and I'm done. I was talking with a friend of mine today. Well, he's a, the, the pastor, one of the pastors of the church in 
Marietta that we're using on Sunday nights. And we were talking about some of these, uh, I mean, I have, I have had, the, as you know, I've had the privilege of knowing at least meeting and knowing and spending time with three great, what I call high-level prophets from Africa. Um, one from Nigeria, TV Joshua, one from Kenya, Dr. Awar, Edward Awar, and one from Zimbabwe, who was a good friend of mine, and I ministered in his church in England a couple of different times, and that's Prophet Hubert Angel. So I know these, I'm, and I know him, I know Prophet Angel better than any of them. I, you know, I spent time with him, ministered with him, I prayed with him. We used to talk on the phone a lot. Uh, so what I'm saying is that it, what I want to tell you is this. When, when we understand this kingdom and everything that I'm talking about and this authority and these keys that we've been given, it, it's not just to, to make us, what's the, what, what I can, you know, like some spiritual intellectual but it's for us to use these things. We, we, not just use them, but it's for us to operate. And when I mean operate, see, we got it. We still, I still, like some of you, still have to stay in the realm of the spirit and out of my flesh and out of my mind. Because when we look at things that attack us and come to us from a fleshly perspective, we want to respond to it in a fleshly perspective. And I have to remember that this thing that is here affecting me in the flesh is a thing I only can deal with in the spirit to make the changes. We have to remember you're a spiritual being. I have to remember I'm a spiritual being. I have to learn to understand. I have to think in the spirit realm, not in the natural realm. I have to look in the spiritual realm. The spiritual realm is available to all of us. It's available to you. It's not what I'm, what I'm trying to get with these prophets. It's not just limited to prophets or apostles. But there's the realm of the believers. And we are all in this place of the kingdom. We're all in this place of the kingdom. So the least in the kingdom of God is greater than the last testament prophet, John the Baptist. That's what the Bible says, does it not? That the least in the kingdom is greater than he. Jesus said that Matthew chapter 14. The least in the kingdom. Wow, the least. A child. <laughs> this is my son-in-law up here, Dana. And he's got four kids. I got four grandkids. <laughs> I've been where he is with children. And I like where I am better. <laughs> See, when they come to Papa. I just say yes. That's the privilege. I also call it getting even with my own parents. I have to take the kingdom as a child. I have to think as a child. I have to believe as a child. When everything in this world tells us to strive for something in a higher natural realm. This degree, that degree, this position, that position, ever struggling, striving higher. The natural realm says you've got to struggle to go higher. Jesus says to go higher, you have to go lower. He that would be the, the greatest among you, let him be the servant of all of you. He said, unless you receive the kingdom as a little child, You'll by no means enter in. We have to come as a child. 
And the point I want to make is we have to continue to think as a child, act as a child, believe as a child. A child believes. A child just believes. If two little kids come knock on my door and they say, Papa, can we have M&M's? Because I got M&M's because Elder Ware had given me some. <laughs> I just look under the bed and get out another handful and hand them to them and say, yep, see you later. So we did have to make some adjustments because the only little girl, Maddie, came in, there in the room the other day, and, and so I gave one for her and two for her brothers. Only we found out later that her brothers never got them. <laughs> but she had a pocketbook full of M&Ms. <laughs> but just that simplicity as a child, that, that's what we have to have. That's what we're, that's what we're expecting. All right, I, wanna, I got... Well, nobody told me time, but I'm just going to quit at 8.30, okay? <laughs> um, one, of, one of the things, it, when, when, I don't even, I'm trying to think how to phrase this. When I have been told things before by um, men of God, women of God, by those of, it, you know, it don't really matter if it's coming from a child. If it's coming from the word of the Lord, I, I have to, I forget to embrace it as this is a word from God. So often I just look, oh, this is what so-and-so said. No, 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 let me back up. No, that, that wasn't them, that was, that was God speaking. If it's God speaking, it's gonna to come to pass. So this is what I'm closing with. Oh no, in 2011, when I was returning from Kenya, and I had, this was the first meeting with Pastor, uh, Prophet O'War in uh, Kenya. And I met with him, I was catching an eight o'clock, PM flight out of Nairobi, flying to Amsterdam. It was, it's like an eight-hour flight, and it was going to be in the wee morning hours when we reached uh, Amsterdam. And I had booked a very um, time-restraining flight. I just had a little bit of time to get into Amsterdam and catch my next flight because I had booked one to go to Dusseldorf, Germany, and then from Dusseldorf back to Atlanta. And the reason I did that, I could have just left, stayed there and waited five hours from the plane to Atlanta, but I thought I can get home five hours sooner. And after you've been in Africa for a couple of weeks, you're ready to get home, trust me. And, and so I, I, I said, I'm going, to, I'm going to take that flight to Dusseldorf. So I had all that set up. Well, when I'm, I'm leaving uh, Prophet O'War's presence, you know, he'd prayed with me and I was leaving, and he, I, I'm walking away from him. He said, oh yeah, by the way, you're going to catch all of your flights. You won't have any problem. And I thought, okay. I thought that was a very bizarre night. I just filed it away. Didn't even think any more about it. Uh, until I got, we landed in Amsterdam. When we landed in Amsterdam, there had been some kind of high-level threat from the plane that, or something had been intercepted coming from Nairobi. And um, so what they were doing was stopping every one of us on the gangway coming out off of the plane. And they were going through everybody's passport right there at the door. And I've got a short amount of time to catch a flight. You know, it's like about 35, 40 minutes. And I'm looking there and I'm looking down through there and, and there's like 50 people ahead of me and the line ain't moving. I'm still standing on the, you know, that little gateway, you know, whatever, could jetway thing. And I'm looking up there and like, how in the world am I going to, and I'm looking, I turn around and look behind me and there's a line of people behind me and it's just not moving. And all of a sudden there was a, a, a lady standing next to me in a stewardess uniform that I had not seen on the flight. And she said, do you have a problem, sir? 
And I looked at her and I said, yeah, I do. I said, I need to get to catch this flight. And I showed her my flight plans and my, she said, come with me. And I went straight to the very front of the line. Okay. So they ran me through. I'm still not thinking anybody. I'm just, I'm, I'm happy, but I still got to make a, a checkpoint before I can go on to catch the departing fly. And, and so it was a line there. So I, got, I get through the line there, and now I, I've got just minutes, literal handful of minutes to get to catch the flight to Dusseldorf, and I have to run. And it's, uh, Amsterdam Airport is huge, and I'm having to run long and run hard and uh, pulling the suitcase with me. And, uh, you know, I'd been awake that whole flight. I'm just, I'm wore out. And I, I, fi- I could not run anymore. My side was hurting. I was panting for breath. And I just stopped, and I, I just stopped, and I was just trying to catch my breath like that right in, in the middle of this long terminal that, trying to get to where I needed to go. And as I was bending over like that and just trying to breathe, there's a man all of a sudden standing next to me. And I look, he says, do you need some help, sir? And I said, yeah, I need to catch this flight down here, and I ain't going to make it. He said, let me see your ticket. And so he looked at my ticket. He, he had a radio on him, and he made a radio call, and he said, you can walk the rest of the way. You're good. And... Uh, the thing is, you know, I made the flight and everything was good. And, and it was later that I was thinking about Dr. O, you know, Prophet O'War's comment, you will make all of your flights. These people were not, they, that man, I mean, I'm talking about a long straight when wasn't a lot of people where I was going out, running out this terminal. There wasn't nobody there. I mean, I was running and I didn't see anybody behind, in front of me. But when I stopped and bent over, all of a sudden he was there. God had sent angelic help. And, and, and an angel delivered me from the plane and an angel stepped in and got me on my fly. So what, to, to finish this, what I'm saying is we live in a spiritual world. And I have to learn to think and embrace the spiritual world around me. That God has given us helpers, angels to work for us. So never, ever, ever think that you're alone. Never, ever, ever think that the situation can't change, no matter how bad it looks. Amen? Amen. All right, that's it. Father, I thank you in Jesus' mighty name for your word tonight. I thank you, Lord, for the the kingdom of God that is going to advance in these end times. I thank you, Father, for just revelation tonight. Thank you for the keys to this kingdom. Thank you for understanding that we don't have to strive. We don't have to make it happen, but we can simply open the door. I thank you, Lord, that because you are the king, the king is in us. Therefore, all access to the realms of the kingdom is available to us. And I give you praise. And I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that this word would go into our hearts. I pray that we would meditate on it. We would think on it. I ask as we are going to sleep tonight that you would even give us dreams about the kingdom, that you would speak into our lives. Let us recognize more of the spiritual realm than this natural realm we're walking in. And I give you praise for it in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah.